Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Overtime. This is Dribble's official podcast. I'm Dan Cedarholm, your host, and today is episode number 25 with Vlad Magdalene. Vlad is CEO and founder of Webflow, an all-in-one web design tool that's pretty dang cool. Um, we have a really good talk about um, Webflow and its place amongst the growing pool of design tools out there. I like how Webflow comes at it from a, a different perspective, really, from the standards of HTML and CSS and, and giving a visual layer on top of that. Uh, it seems really future-friendly and um, sort of adheres to the uh, the spirit of the web, which I like a lot. So Vlad was uh, nice enough to talk with us today, and I think it's going to be really interesting as we talk about you know just the state of web design, really, and, and what that means. Please rate and or review us on iTunes if you dig this show, and thanks again for listening. And now let's get on to our chat with Vlad Magdalene. Welcome to Overtime, Vlad Magdalene. Hey, Dan. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for being on the show today. Um, it's I'm really excited about this because this it's a good time to be talking about web tools, right? Absolutely. We're kind of um, it's it's an area where a lot of people sort of assumed that innovation was over back in Dreamweaver days, uh, etc. But right now we're seeing like a, a real what feels like a renaissance, so many more people are starting to talk about it, not just designers, but developers and companies. And um, it just seems like a, a, a great time to, to be in the space. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like really exciting. And there's like, I think it's sort of two facets, and I think we'll get into both of them, uh, that I see. Like there's there's the web design tools that are that are happening and exciting. And then there's also like the the speed at which web technology is moving which is really overwhelming and as an old guy i'm like <laughs> terrified because <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm long out of a job already but i mean <laughs> at this point yeah um, that's a it's, it's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing where almost everybody who's an industry veteran uh you know your jeffrey zeldman's uh your dan cedar holmes um <laughs> like it, it, I've been in this space for 20 years now, something like that, where the yeah, complexity yeah. of the web was so much more, so much smaller. I mean, orders and orders of magnitude smaller. We could pick, pick up a book on like HTML and CSS and, and get one of these like website editors and hit the ground running and get clients and sort of become experts in the field because there were like 20 HTML tags and CSS was barely a thing. <laughs> um, and then you know, as these technologies progressively were, were being added, we kind of learn uh, incrementally and, and learn from each other, learn from a bunch of blog posts. Uh, and then right now, if you're starting out from scratch, holy crap, you're, you're faced with this huge paradox of choice of like a hundred different front-end libraries, so many different ways to build a website even, let alone a web application, like React and Vue and Ember and who knows what else. Even yeah. as a front-end developer, you're confused. Uh, so like that complexity curve has just gone through the roof where um, it's it's no longer possible to like pick up a book and learn the industry. Um, it's it's yeah. just gotten way out of hand. Exactly. Like it was much simpler a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and you know, web 
technology, the browsers were moving slower, which was mm-hmm. kind of nice. Like it was good and bad. It was kind of nice because you could write a book, an actual paper book, and it would still be relevant like the next year, you know, because the browsers move so slow. Now it's it's uh, you know auto update and uh, which is you know much better for in general, but um, yeah. for for a web web designer, I suppose it was easier easier back then. Um, uh, but I, I'm not going to complain about it too much because then I'll sound <laughs> really <laughs> really lame and uh, not with the times. But so you're you are founder and CEO of Webflow. Yep. Um, right, and you're you're based in uh, the Bay Area. Yep, we're in San Francisco. Right. And you grew up at, grew up there, or uh, how did you actually? Find your way I uh, I was born and grew up in Russia, uh, Southern Russia. Um, and yeah. then when I was uh, close to nine, my parents immigrated here with our entire family. Uh, wow. So I went to second grade there, uh, skipped third grade as we were kind of moving around. And then went to fourth grade here, learned English, uh, and wow! So you learned English not until fourth grade. Yeah, actually, I remember. It's uh, incredible. You don't even hear an accent on you. It's, it's amazing. Well, that's the there's kind of a magic cutoff if you're if you come before eleven, twelve, uh, something yeah. like that. You you sort of I guess the muscles in in the way that we speak uh, haven't quite formed yet. Uh, so uh-huh. I, I was like really lucky in that regard where, um, kind of started learning English at the right time where, yeah, where you're young just, enough. Yeah. It just kicks in. Uh, and too you late still, for me. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, too late for me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough. Cause I, you know, you try to learn other languages later and it's not, it's not quite the same. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, so, uh, um, so you're bilingual then. Yeah, that's um, uh, yeah. lucky enough to do that. I, but my wife's Russian. Uh, her parents are Russian. We grew up in Sacramento, where there's a huge Russian community, almost a quarter million people. Uh, oh, wow. So, kind of, kind of grew up in a. Um, you know, my parents primarily speak speak Russian, so it's it's something where I was lucky enough to have to practice it. Although I'm definitely, you know, kind of struggle with remembering some words sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's still. You know, it's the fluency is still there because I, I spent quite a bit, bit of time with family and Russian friends. Yeah. And like that. That's cool. So, you know, I always thought like if you're bilingual, that that, that may be uh, an advantage for learning programming languages and web, web um, tools. Do you think there's any correlation there? Or am, am I crazy? Uh, I think there's a definite advantage to learning new languages. So, for example, you know, for me, learning Spanish was significantly easier than for a native English speaker because the the structures are similar. There's a lot more conjugation and just a lot more overlap. I don't know about yeah. programming languages. Um, I don't know if those are easy for anybody to learn. Uh, <laughs> let alone, True. yeah, but maybe uh, just just because they they map a little bit to to how spoken language works, but spoken language is so much more diverse than programming languages, which have uh, pretty limited semantics yeah. uh, that I think that's more like maybe a more analytical kind of uh, mind that it takes. I'm not quite sure yeah. if there's an advantage. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that your bilingual or trilingualness, maybe even you just mentioned Spanish is uh, one of the reasons why web flows is so awesome because um, <laughs> well, the, you're also amazing. making you're also making the assumption that I'm a good programmer, which is a far far <laughs> leap. Uh, actually, I think the the thing the thing that made Webflow um, sort of the genesis of it was I I actually 
tried programming and it, it wasn't for me. So I dropped out of, um, uh, I dropped out of, uh, computer science. I just did it one year because that's what my brother was doing. And my parents were kind of like, well, if you want us to give you a ride, then you better go to the same school your brother's going. Um, <laughs> so I sort of like went into it by default, but a year into it, I really, really wasn't enjoying it. So mm-hmm. I dropped out and went uh, up here in the city, uh, to the Academy of art to study 3d animation. Oh, yeah. And I think that combination wow. of like a little bit of technical and a lot of creative um, mm-hmm. eventually brought me into this um, into the space of thinking about really highly uh, technical mediums. Like three D animation is a very very highly technical medium. You know, you can't just do it with mm-hmm. pen and paper, right. and it involves a lot of like um, abstract thought. But it also involves a lot of technology, a lot of tooling, uh, where we add in these sort of like layers layers of abstraction to make it easier for creative people to express their um, uh, sort of imagination to the computer. And and that's yeah, where yeah. It, that connection really was made for me, where you could do a little bit of, I, I used to use this program called Maya, which had this thing called Mel scripting, where not only could you like create like a ball and animate it um, using, you know, animation tools, but you could also write some code that said, you know, when this ball, like, hits a certain barrier, do something else. So you could add in some conditional logic and that's where it really sort of all the pieces connected. And that's oh, why. Wow. I, that's interesting. So 3d, 3d animation was sort of the, uh, the passion of yours, uh, when you're in school learning, I think I read somewhere that you, your goal was to work at Pixar. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> that was the dream. Uh, which is a good dream actually. Super good dream. Yeah, didn't uh, didn't quite work out, but um, it's uh, it took me in, in the okay. right direction to um, to get some other things uh, sent into motion um, that led to Webflow. So that was awesome. I think we're I think we're glad that it didn't work out because <laughs> Webflow. <laughs> and I want to get into Webflow because I you know I don't use I don't use it regularly. I don't use anything regularly. I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> Uh, anymore, and that's probably why you've I'm made not it, Dan. You don't need to use anything. <laughs> I just talk about things, yeah. <laughs> now, which is which is. Have uh, you considered politics? <laughs> well, not uh, not until uh, this year, but okay. Um, so, so so web Webflow. So I'm you know I'm, I'm checked out the demo and and uh, I've read a ton about it and and heard a ton about it and and my goodness, it's super impressive. Uh, because you know, I come from. You mentioned Dreamweaver earlier, mm-hmm. and I, you know, when I first got into web design, I remember, you know, front. I remember Microsoft front page, for instance, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, Netscape uh, Composer. I think it was called, um, which is another uh, WYSIWYG thing. And um, and then you know, the, as you learn to build websites, and then you know, the web standards movement came along, thankfully, and and, and cleaned up a lot, but. You know, a lot of these tools previous to Webflow, um, you know, the code, it, visually, yeah, it would work. And then you'd look under the hood and it'd be like, oh, my goodness, this is like terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the stuff that it would spit out. And it's, no, it's not really, I wouldn't fault the developers so much as just building websites is difficult. Right, right. <laughs> you know, sure. uh, and c- coding them or front-end development is difficult. So, um I think what's really surprising about Webflow and and refreshing is is that you've put an emphasis on the on the output and the code and and so 
you know, I'm looking at the tool going, how did they do this? And I, and this is a, that's a pretty open-ended question, I guess, but like, um, I can't imagine it's hard enough building websites. I can't imagine building a website that builds the websites, you know? So I, I guess tell us about the origin of it sure. and how it came to be. And I, and I guess I, there's so many things that we could talk about, but I, I let's just get into Webflow in general, I guess. Sure. I'd love to. So I can, um, before I jump back to the, uh, the origin of Webflow, um, I think there's a, a huge reason why previous tools didn't work necessarily. And, and I think that's because they all try to emulate a graphic design program, uh, a little too much. They, they didn't respect the medium of the web, right? The, the web is, is so fluid where you can't, you don't know what your canvas size is going to be. You don't know what the length of your content is going to be because, you know, users can have different accessibility settings. They could have, uh, you know, a translation uh, extension. They could be zoomed in all the way because they, they might be, uh, might have a limited sight, etc. But all these tools before, including Dreamweaver and a bunch of other, you know, quote unquote, WYSIWYG tools, uh, they would treat the the problem of web design almost as a graphic design problem or as a print design problem, yeah. where where those constraints are known, and and um, admittedly that that problem is easier because if you have a box that's you know 600 pixels by 800 pixels, then it's much easier to think about. All right, this is exactly how I'm going to lay things out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it doesn't force you to think about the constraints of like content architecture or like. Um, how how are you actually nesting uh, components and elements so that they are semantic, et cetera? So mm-hmm. so with Webflow, we didn't actually make anything magical where we where we sort of crack that problem of you can have a Photoshop like or a sketch like experience and then magically get correct code on the other end. Unfortunately, it's not that easy. What we did instead was we took the abstractions already available in things like the Web Inspector and like Firebug. Um, that sort of respect the, the core properties of web design, which is, you know, you have a document object model, you have your HTML where you specify your content and the hierarchy of that content. And then you have CSS or your, or your styles that are essentially decorative, um, uh, a decorative layer above that, uh, content hierarchy. Um, and then, and then we built tools that, um, may seem like a design tool, but at the end of the day, they're just a higher order abstraction over those core primitives. So instead of allowing a designer to, for example, drag in a box or draw a box um, and then just move it anywhere, you know, with absolute positioning or whatever, we would actually have to teach designers uh, the core properties of the box model of, you know, thinking in margin and padding and thinking in, you know, pushing and pulling content versus just giving everything a width. And thinking in more like relative units where I'm thinking, you know, this element is going to be 50% of the width of wherever it happens to live versus this element is 325 pixels like it would be in Photoshop. So I think that's the the core property that allows us to have really great code output because the designer, uh, by virtue of working on that, like thinking about that content thinking about the the styles that are being layered on top, they are properly structuring their documents and their websites so that when you um, generate the code, it's it's pretty much a one-to-one to like how they imagined it versus trying to do some magic and essentially trying to trend like, you know, automatically convert a, a static design into code. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. So 
you've come at it from the opposite angle, really. You're sort of starting with the code and, and then layering on a visual exactly. uh, component that that's that can manipulate that code. Uh, but you know that the you know what the code underneath is doing, and um, that's a huge difference. That makes great sense, and actually. Now I understand why why it's why it's so good because yeah. you, you you've you've layered in a visual for efficiency really and ease ease of coding like you've layered this visual UI on top of good standards based front end code right exactly we sometimes I refer yeah. to it as like Dev Inspector on crack that happens to save yeah. your changes uh, back to the yeah, right. original you know, HTML and CSS file. It just happens to be live. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. That, that's a good, great way to put it. It's, that's true. You know, you, the inspector, it's like an, yeah, but it's an inspector on crack times a thousand, I don't know what that <laughs> drug would be, but, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, there is a drawback yeah. to that because like it is a tougher learning curve, right? You, you don't just have this, you know, just draw a box, move it around. You do have to understand some right. of the core principles. Right. Like what is a, you know, a a pseudo style, like you have to think of, um, you know, user interaction, you have to think of applying a a class to an element, if you want to reuse those um, styles across multiple different elements, etc. But that that learning that those core principles is much easier than learning all of, um, you know, how exactly do you write like a CSS radial gradient uh, in a style sheet, (laughs) like nobody actually knows. No, and the, and what's nice about that, and I, you know, one of the questions I was going to get to is, is like, you know, inve- committing as a designer, committing to a certain tool um, that's proprietary, right? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of risk there in that uh, if the tool goes away or changes, and you know, you've if you're putting your eggs in one basket, then you, you might be in trouble. But uh, I think with with Webflow and what you're talking about, those core principles that you need to kind of need to know to use this are going to be evergreen and and uh, exactly you know, uh, you're going to be able to take those wherever. And then you know the, your your radial gradient example is is perfect because uh, nobody wants to learn that and memorize it in their head because it changes and mm-hmm. you know, like and the syntax changes and 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 then I guess in Webflow's case. I can just rely on on you guys to to make sure the syntax is is up to date. Is that exactly. is that accurate? Or? Exactly. So yeah. so we um, we're sort of like the middle layer between web standards and uh, an expression of a design. So so yeah. you declare what you want your design to look like, um, and then if there are any changes in the spec, if like for example something now requires or doesn't require prefixing or there's like a bug yeah. that we can work around on a systemic um, in, in a systemic way. We actually fix that once and nobody has to worry about that bug. Uh, it's just automatically like the code now outputs something slightly different. That's wonderful. It's a real service. So that means the Webflow team has to be kind of on top of the latest and greatest. Yep. Right? Is that, yeah. Like for example, is that, is that, is that difficult or, or um, it's, it's, Certainly, a very very exciting challenge. Uh, so, for example, we uh, when when something new and big comes out in CSS, let's say last year uh, Flexbox was right on the horizon. So we we went to work and we created a visual abstraction over uh, Flexbox, which requires our designers and engineers to go into the entire spec as defined by the working group and 
like yeah. figure out all the properties of Flexbox, figure out how to teach it in a way that's, um, you know, more designer friendly and, and more like a design tool. And then, and then bake that into a UI that is a lot more intuitive than having to open up like, I don't know, CSS tricks all the time to look up this cheat sheet of which exact properties right. I need to, right. um, you know, kind of guess and check my way into a good layout. And, and that allows us to, to create these tools that open up that, that um, capability of designing with Flexbox to, you know, 10, if not 100 times as many people who may not be as technical yeah. as a developer to even know how to set up a style sheet. Uh, but now they can kind right. of work with the primitives of what's what you can do in in web design, and um, just worry about those <laughs> higher order type of constraints. Wow! And way before most people are like myself, I'm still learning Flexbox. Yeah, if um, you, I, you know, yeah, I'm just checking out. Like I've got a little my little first Webflow project up uh-huh. here while we're talking, and I just noticed the Flexbox um, display setting, uh, and then you've got visual toggles for all the different you know yep uh, flex layouts it's that's just wonderful i mean that's the kind of stuff that like you said you'd have to look up on css tricks or something to visualize it and they okay yeah now i know what, which code to use but now you're just you're literally clicking a button yep but yet you're still understanding what's going on i think that's what's great about this uh you're not just there's you're really one level above the code here rather yes. than like 10. Absolutely. Right? Um, and, yeah. and so we actually, when it comes to Flexbox, we launched this game. Um, it's on flexboxgame.com. That's just based on Webflow, but there's a, there's a game where you have to go through and solve these flex uh, related puzzles with our visual tools. And <laughs> we share that with a ton of front end, like, speaker level uh, engineers that are talking about like react components and building these layouts with flexbox and uh, you know developer advocates people who have been coding for decades um right and and they go through the flexbox game and they say holy crap this is the first time i really understood flexbox because it, because it makes it so tactile and visual that yeah. you like those little details around exactly which syntax is generated matters a lot less than than understanding the core construct that you're working with almost like if you're people used to create svgs uh by hand yeah. right like that was the way yeah, that you right. would you would make vector art <laughs> you would use postscript and like write this write these uh, essentially control points by hand and now nobody like that sounds insane right uh we have yeah. tooling to go create you know vector art and then we have tooling to optimize that vector art at the core it's still the same, almost the same exact syntax as before that, that people would write by hand, but we sort of like leveled up to where, um, you know, you, you get the computer to do the hard parts for you um, and you focus on the creative uh, angle while still keeping the constraints of that medium inside of the tooling. It's not like, you know, yeah. an SVG editor does some, something with a JPEG or whatever. It's actually like core vector art, et cetera. Right, and you're, and you're still, you know, Sticking to the the spec and the standard, which yep, is great. Exactly. Um, this is man. This is awesome. All right, so I got to check out uh, flexboxgame.com. Is that what? You yeah. If you get through all the levels, okay. dude, I'll send yeah. you. Uh, we have a special prize. I won't. <laughs> really? It's uh, yeah. We'll How many people you. have won the prize? Uh, um, it's it it's. I can count it on um, probably my fingers and toes. Over the last, yeah, yeah, wow, okay, yeah. Over so, the last year, it's pretty. I don't think. I mean, that's the thing is, I think I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not great at it and this could be helpful for me. So hopefully, hopefully many of the listeners out there too. Um, Cause I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Flexbox, there's the syntax knowing what syntax to use. And then there's also just like understanding the spec and yep. what it's trying to do. Um, and it's not, it's not, it's complex for a reason. I mean, at a necessity. Um, so this, this could be really helpful. Awesome. Yeah, and same thing with, you know, we're working on CSS Grid right now. Grid is even more right. exciting because there's so much uh, more potential for creative direction and, like, magazine-level yeah. layout. Um, it's just a lot of uh, beautiful things that are missing on the web because, you know, we're kind of constrained to this. Uh, people kind of choose the bootstrap three-column layout, um, you know, kind of seen these right, websites right. that all look the same. And yes. and a huge part of that is because of tooling. Like it's very hard to create your own grid system. It's very hard to, absolutely, uh, you know, in a way that works on all browsers, et cetera. Um, and, and the more tools that come out that are native um, browser technologies like CSS Grid, which believe it or not, has been like 20 years in development and discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, takes a while for us to uh, get our acts together as a community. But that that uh, further pushes the limits of what people can natively do on the web without any sort of hacks. Yeah, that's really super exciting. So you're already you're already working on that. Yep. Uh, yeah, your your team, like I said, your team must be on the the absolute cusp of what's going on in <laughs> yeah. front end world. So. Some, sometimes it's it's not the so. For example, there's a lot of WebGL, you know, blend modes, all, all these kinds of things that are really really yeah. experimental that are only in a few browsers typically we have a little a little bit more um runway when we usually start working on things when they have almost universal browser support uh so, yeah, so that that's things like flexbox and css grid etc um yes but yeah we're definitely pushing the limits of uh not only in the app itself because it's it's like a photoshop level application that runs in the browser not only in the app itself are we pushing limits, we're trying to get all these learnings of uh, proper web design, proper content architecture, SEO, delivery, performance, et cetera. We're trying to solve those at scale so that designers don't have to understand all the complexities of that. So one example of that uh, is something like responsive images, right? Traditionally, you'd have to go understand how source set and sizes work and uh, you know, how to cut your images to specific um, resolutions, et cetera. In Webflow, you just upload an image and we automatically, there's a background process that literally resizes your canvas to every possible permutation and figures out the like provably correct uh, attributes that we write out and we generate all the images and, and all the variations. And then that problem just goes away. You don't have to worry about it. You just know that you're your site is going to be delivered with the most optimal images, uh, et cetera. Almost like, you know, working with an external service where you'd have to know to go to like, um, I don't know, ImageX or one of those types of services that additional cost, additional like mental over overhead of how to uh, integrate with them. And it just kind of puts everything in one place where you worry about the creativity and sort of the content and the architecture of your site and, and not these little details uh, around, like, how do I minify my code? How do I, um, you know, right, set up right. a CDN? How does SSL work? All those details we have computers for. Like, that's what automation's for. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to be a web designer again. <laughs> well, that's what we want to do. We want to make web design about design. 
over the last 15 years, web design yeah. has been 90% dealing with browser hacks, like in a code Absolutely. editor. That's not design. Yeah. Like no, we're not, not, we shouldn't be doing not. layout in a text editor, right? We want to bring no. this, this magic of direct manipulation that every other creative discipline has uh, to this, this discipline, every other uh, creative, I have this medium post uh, where I just pull together all the different creative types of people and how they work and the kinds of software that they use. And, you know, you have a video editor that's directly working with the video. They see the output of what they're creating, um, you know, visual effects, uh, the screen design, magazine design, et cetera, you sort of, um, you, you're directly, directly manipulating the thing that, that people are going to interact with and, or see, uh, it's not like an approximation. It's not a, uh, somebody won't have to go and translate, um, that output to something else. Uh, we did have that problem before with, let's say, uh, magazine design where people would do layouts on paper and give it to, um, a print setter or a person that whose sole job was to translate that design to something that the printer would understand. And then the desktop publishing revolution completely did away with, with the need to do that translation. And now we went from not just a lot more people participating in that medium, because you can just open up a tool like InDesign and, you know, design to your heart's content um, and press a button and get a PDF out that goes to the directly to the printer. Uh, with some constraints, of course, you have to worry about like, oh, I can't put stuff around the bleed because, uh, you know, that magazine will be cut off um, within a quarter inch of the sides or whatever. So there's some constraints there. But for the most part, the designer is now in control of that entire uh, creative process. There is no no person in the middle saying, oh, I can't do that. Oh, this is not how this medium works, etc. Whereas in web design, we, we definitely still have this um, in in the many cases where it's not the same person doing the work, you know, like imagining a design and then converting it to HTML and CSS, we have this needless or ideally needless translation layer where you're sort of doing the work twice. You're doing the uh, declaration of how you want it to look at first, but not even in the correct medium. You know, people have a lot of these like ideal designs that they would do in Sketch and, and Photoshop where, you know, they have one line uh, content uh, for like a, a a person's name and they don't anticipate like really long names or things like that, that might wrap to two lines. And then you go into this whole translation phase where you take it to production, quote unquote. Um, and there's just a lot of needless uh, double work happening there. And if we can make that practice one single unified design practice where you're working directly in the, in the medium, and then uh, what you see is actually what you get um, where you're previewing, not just previewing, you're actually moving that, that medium around like you would in web inspector. Um, then that would be the perfect outcome for this because then it, then it truly becomes a design medium where you can bring in a lot more, you, you lower that, that burden of the things that you need to learn to participate in, in that art uh, and in that practice. And by virtue of that, we can get a lot more people into, um, this industry and, and that will, who knows what that might spawn. Like I think it, it could spawn a, a whole renaissance of creativity on the web because we've, we've sort of seen the inverse of that, you know, when we had GeoCities and like Neopets, all this in MySpace, we had all this creativity where people could kind of like mess around and make it their own. Uh, but as things got more complex on the web, we, we had to focus on systems and uh, you know, like these sort of like, uh, more constrained bootstrappy type of environments where we have 
I don't know, 10 different layouts that, that we use. And there's mostly based on things that developers created. Um, and that's sort of like how the world of magazine uh, design was back in the day where almost all magazines look the same. You pick up a hundred different magazines right now. They're all so different. You know, like a team magazine will be completely different from, you know, the economist or something like that, because that, yeah. you know, you, you have that, that voice, that tone, that design language that you can just create as a design practice, not constrained by, you know, does SAS support this or does uh, it, it, does our development team have the cycles to convert this design to, uh, you know, what we actually right. imagine? Um, and that and that has, I think, a lot, a lot of potential. Oh, amen to all that. Because <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, this is good timing talking to you because, I, you know, there's a couple product announcements yesterday mm-hmm. <laughs> actually uh from from other companies you know you can say envision screen screen <laughs> there we go thing yeah i know we, we love envision uh envision uh has a um has a new uh studio out yep. it's called and then um and adobe also has xd i guess mm-hmm. and these are you know, these are position these are screen design tools um but they they kind of it personally to me i think it echoes what you were just saying in that these tools are are great for folks that um, don't code or or never code or or are used to passing things off to someone to build. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, it doesn't it, it 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 looks good in the in the application that you're you're um, building, but it, it then there's a second step of okay, now we got to build this thing, right? And um and that's my you know those tools can be useful, but I think I'm with you in that like, you know, it, it saves a step if you can, if you can actually uh, create this thing visually uh, with the code as well. I'm wondering, yeah, if you, what's your take on these, on these tools? Cause it's, it is like we said earlier, it's an exciting time for design tools mm-hmm. and they're kind of exploding and there's tons of them out there. Um, but I think, you know, Webflow is unique in that you're actually thinking about, the final product rather than a picture of the final project. Right. Exactly. So, um, I, I think all these tools, uh, you know, Envision studio sketch, um, Figma, um, everything that tries to bring the designer and developer relationship closer and, and serve as like a communication medium that, that makes it more likely, uh, to get a designer's vision out into production. Uh, they're, hyper important and you can see how how they're taken off in the market right envision is a huge company adobe is a huge company um xd is uh is really uh taking off i mean we've seen how many people use sketch as like a uh, product design tool um along with, yeah. with developers so they're they're hugely important i think the uh you're right in that we're coming at it from the other side um in in that we're trying to make it's almost like we're trying to make coding visual like we're trying to create a new language to express the same yeah. type of thing that you would um as a coder except do it in a way that is uh visual first and it's sort of moving at it from from a different angle but at the end of the day the holy grail is when something like a screen design tool um 
gets to the point where as you're designing with it, that is 100% the thing that gets delivered. So there's no translation yeah. layer to the next thing. It's almost like what we had, um, for lack of a better example, with Flash, right? When people design something in Flash as a right. scene, right. That, was it. that yeah. is the thing, that is a true production uh, tool because that's what we're delivering. I mean, Flash had yep. uh, a litany of problems, uh, but that is the, that's what we should be aiming um to do in, in web design and application design and product design. And it goes beyond just things that you're delivering in the browser. Like these principles can, can actually apply to uh, building a native application, um, building like anything that really has a, a user interface. Um, and, and, and that's where what we're really shooting for is to make sure that once a designer really learns Webflow, understands the core um, constraints and capabilities of uh, the medium of the web, like what they design is the real thing. It is like you press a button and some in production worldwide, you can point people at a link to it. There is no, it's not just a communication medium. It's not a way to pass this like copy or facsimile of the thing you want to create to the next person to make it real. It is the real thing. Right. And, and that's it like, the real thing. that's the magical thing. That's where you have like, you yeah. know, kids that are uh, freshmen in high school that are discovering like this creative uh, tool. That's not just a tool. It's like, it, it's an all in one solution for them to go find a client down the street and start making more money than their teacher sometimes uh, because <laughs> they have this like hugely empowering uh, kind of experience where I made something it's out in the world. Holy crap. Like I want to do, I want to do more of this. And, and that mirrors a lot of like, you know, you talk to ex experienced programmers, you ask them like, how did they get into development? A lot of them will say, Oh, I built a website for myself yeah. or a band or whatever it was like that, that rush of creating something and getting it out into the, into the world. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like an artist that gets to, um, uh, you put something into a gallery if they're lucky enough or like a, a yeah, kid right. who sets up a YouTube channel and gets like a surprise following. That's like such a huge yeah. rush that um, like my creation is out there in the world. I made something and, and people like it and people resonate with it. Um, that is much more, you know, people talk about like coding as having that, that kind of rush, but it's not actually the act of coding. It's the act of creating something that has that, um, that has that response yeah, that can be seen. Yeah. And coding is, yeah, a means I mean, to it. You've, just, you've just summed up why I got into design really from, from, from the web, from being able to do that, yep. just create something and get it out there. I think you nailed it. Um, so do you think, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm thinking about all these tools and, and then where Webflow fits in there coming at it from the, from the other angle, which I, which I really like, um, do you see, or do, do you wish that uh, the standard body, like the W3C, would move toward more of this kind of thing, or do you think it's always going to be separate? And 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 um, uh, you know, I guess where where do you see the future and Webflow fitting together? I guess is the is the question. Sure, that's a good question. Um, I should think about that, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, well, the standards body, I think. Um, it's, it's really important for those standards to be um, out in the open and, and very clear and, and be like this sort of like almost assembly language level specification where it has to be in yeah. code. It has to be something that is expressed in, in many different um, uh, quote unquote languages, right? Um, right? Where certain... More like an API, really. Exactly. Like certain developers might yeah. choose to 
you know, use some sort of transpilation tool to end up with HTML, while some designers might choose to use right. something like Webflow to end up with, at the end of the day, HTML. They just don't don't quite, uh, they might not understand the exact semantics of how that HTML um, got there. So, so the, yeah. the, the, the lower level, it's almost like electricity, right? Like it has to have, uh, we have to understand how everything works and it has to be predictable. And that's where standards are really helpful. And, and it's really helpful when all the browsers jump on um, and implement things the same way. And, and we've seen more and more of that, especially with things like CSS Grid, where, you know, the same exact code uh, that, um, you know, if you see a bug, you'll see it in both Safari and Chrome. Uh, for example, yeah, uh, glorious. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, not the bug, right, right, right. right. <laughs> but the fact that it's more predictable, right? Um, and when it's yes, fixed, it's yes, fixed definitely. across the board, etc. Um, yeah. So, in in that sense, um, it's it's very important what the standards body is doing. Uh, you always wish that they move faster. You know, for example, we've made no movement on container queries, um, which are mm. which are really important in in moving towards a, a component a component oriented and atomic design style. Um, kind of software development and website development model. Uh, and right now we're just doing all these hacks, uh, you know, kind of to emulate it with uh, media queries and jQuery and JavaScript, et cetera. So you always wish that that moved faster, but they're definitely, you know, the web standards body is is ahead of the curve when it comes to tooling right now. Um, like there's more technology being created for the web platform than there is tooling created to make that technology more accessible. So so they're actually ahead of the curve. Um, it's it's us as design tool creators and, and just overall tool creators that are behind. So um, the, the hope is that we pull far ahead where, where it become, like they become the bottleneck. That's not the case yet. Um, so the way, the way that I see... Um, so maybe to st- step back a little. Right now, the the state of the web is uh, as much as we talk about accessibility, um, it's it's accessible to to read it to billions of people, right? Like um, almost everybody that's on the web is able to access a web page um, and and have this this power to consume it, right? They they have access to information, but when it comes to creation for that medium, um, right now it involves programming, which by definition is uh, um, difficult and, and preserve, uh, presents like this barrier to entry to creating something real and tangible for the web. It was easier before. It's, it's harder now. Like we both know this where it was 20 HTML tags to now, like, you know, a hundred different APIs and libraries that we have to understand to build for the web. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that percentage, um, the, the huge problem in, um, in, in the web as a medium is the imbalance between consumers and creators uh, so if consumers are several billion people and creators are all the people who know how to code, that translates to um, something like a quarter of 1% of all the people who can um, consume to those who can create, which is a, it's a massively fundamentally like unfair or uh, imbalanced ratio. It's almost like saying 100% of people can read, but only 0.25% of people, you know, one quarter of one person in a party of 100 has the ability to write a novel or write a book, um, and and that's the that's the thing that we have to to solve um, in order to bring the web to its full potential. Like if we can increase that to ten times to two point five percent of the world knows how to build for this like amazing new medium, right? And this medium can like shift economies and shift political thought, et cetera, et cetera. We all know what what's possible to to do on the web with even simple initially tools like Twitter and Airbnb, et cetera. 
um, if we can move that to 2.5, maybe if we can move that to 25%, which is closer to, you know, how many people can write a book today? Uh, it, in fact, that's kind of like an underestimate. Like everybody has the power to, to write a book and, and maybe get it published. Um, just it might not be good. It might not get distribution or whatever, but that's more based on merit um, versus access to, to that medium. Uh, mm-hmm. what, yeah. what we want to see for the web is something like what happened with the, with the movie industry. A hundred years ago, to create a movie and to distribute it and to get, have an audience, you had to have a movie studio. You had to like finance all this equipment. You had to essentially pass all decisions through like some key decision makers and studio heads. Uh, and it was like a multi-million dollar operation, right? And today, while you still have that, you still have like the traditional movie studio model. You can have a, we've democratized that, um, like, storytelling medium and the, and the medium of video to the degree where my nephew who's in like fourth grade has a YouTube channel and a worldwide following. It might not be that many people, but he has the, the, the potential to gain an audience, um, create a following and tell a story. It might not be like the same thing as Titanic on the big screen, but, but the access to that, to that medium is, is so much more um, opened up and so much more democratized because all you need is a phone and, and a YouTube channel. Um, we're, we're nowhere near that level of empowerment on creation for the web. And that's what we, we want to shoot for. And if that's the goal, then, then um, everything being done sort of on the surface, uh, kind of the underlying infrastructure layer with web standards, um, and technology is built into browsers. That's that's already uh, well on track because the web is becoming more powerful every day. It's getting closer to like the capability of native uh, apps in terms of performance and capability, etc. Um, but we have so much more to do, like orders of magnitude bigger problems to solve to uh, to get people to have that that level of power to to have access to it. And we already know that learning how to code is not that answer because we've been trying that for the last 15 years. And that, that needle of, you know, that number of 0.25% of the world knowing how to code hasn't really moved that much. Like more people are being born faster than people are learning how to code because it's getting 10 times harder to learn uh, how to code today due to the overwhelming complexity of all the tools that are available uh, and the capability that's that's possible that it's, we're just not keeping up. So we have to do like these higher order um, types of tools and, and, and find ways to empower people to get it, get access to this power without requiring the traditional um, kind of, uh, you know, keys to the kingdom type of rites of passage uh, in order to do that. Yeah. Wow. Totally agree. Um, Everything you've said uh, today has is uh, strengthened my uh, my love for Webflow actually, <laughs> and this is <laughs> this is not a uh, commercial either. I, I literally, it just um, I, I think it's refreshing because there's a lot of a lot of web tools. You know, one of the goals is is to here come use our language. I mean, language in, in quotes. I mean, mm-hmm. like use our philosophy on how to visualize something, whereas. You guys are, are are you're you're sticking with the. Uh, it's a layer over the standards, and yeah. I think that's really that's a crucial difference. Um, and and one that's for future future thinking. And, and we're kind of lucky enough to be at a point in history where we've seen 
um, that the web always wins. Like there's uh, every few years, there's something <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's going to be flash. Yeah. The flash is going to fix the web. Then right. it's going to be right. native apps uh, or some sort of like native type of layout system, et cetera. For better or worse, the web always wins, or at least over the last 30 mm-hmm. years. It, it just like it has a way to suck yeah. all the best ideas back into the platform um, and make those available. Yeah. Maybe it's a little slower than, you know, like native app development or whatever. But over time with computing power. Getting- over time is fluid. Exactly. So we've made that bet. It's, it's like gravity. Exactly. It's like web. the web is like gravity. You just can't. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So uh, before we go, because uh, this has been awesome, by the way, um, what's next for Webflow? Like wh- what, what's your, what's your next uh, big challenge? Yeah. So we, um, good question. So in order to create, our, our main goal is to create this kind of all-in-one. If you want to participate in web design, you can use just one platform to do everything in one place, right? So that that means I, if I have to figure out something like, you know, to put a search box on my site, I don't have to go figure out how Elasticsearch works or some other product and, and you know, how I need to go embed some code into my template or whatever. Uh, or yeah. if you... Um, want to animate something um, with CSS or or like a do some uh, pretty crazy SVG animation? You don't have to go yeah. and figure out green sock, etc. So like immediately, two of our biggest challenges are to bring more of those use cases into Webflow and make it a more standard. Um, like all the things that you might do in a production website, we make those available out of the box. So we're oh wow, so not just front end code, but you know. A- Backends exactly. Well. So, for example, you just drop in a search box, um, and you style like you do all the um, kind of integrated into your design. But then we figure out all the nitty gritty of like how you go index your site and um, how we scale out like an Elasticsearch cluster, etc. And same thing with animations. You know, with animations, you um, we're about to release a uh, a product called Interactions 2.0. There's so many things that, you know, you see all these talks on all the things that are possible with SVG animations and and JavaScript animations. They require such a huge level of technical commitment and and using these really complicated libraries. They they require you to become a programmer in order to do inherently creative, um, like, uh, artistic things, right? So this, this product, what we hope is that it brings that level of expression where within the constraints of what's possible on the web, you know, and, and right now those are pretty limited. Like you do transforms and, um, you know, opacity and move things around. You, you don't quite make a movie in, uh, you know, with CSS elements right. or whatever. Uh, but there's so many things that are, that you want to be interactive on the web. Like I hover over a card and it sort of like rotates in 3d space as my mouse moves. Like those are the things that, that you, you'll be able to express in Webflow that don't require you to understand, okay, I need to go add some CSS class and set up a jQuery event handler and then hook into the style attribute and rewrite this transform attribute. Like you don't need to worry about that. Stuff. You just <laughs> well, design. It should be, it should be that easy too. Right. I mean, these are, these are like standard things that we, that we want to be able to do. Exactly. Um, that's wonderful. So that, that, uh, reminded me of a question. Um, let's say, uh, you know, I'm someone who loves, I just for fun, I love to hand code mm-hmm. websites, right? Yep. <laughs> And um, this is a theoretical, hypothetical uh, thing, but um, uh, but I don't 
like to code uh, transitions and transforms and mm-hmm. interactions and stuff. Is there is there a place in Webflow where you could kind of have both? I mean, could I use Webflow for just certain things and not um, absolutely? Uh, like we we yeah. we actually build so we build Webflow. Um, uh, we build all of our, you know, kind of marketing content, all of our landing pages and Webflow, of course. But we also use Webflow to design some components in our own app when, you know, after even our developers have used their Flexbox tools, you just move so much faster by doing a lot of experimentation in, in Webflow as a design tool. And then you can, like, copy paste that code or export it and put it into, like, a React component or something like that. Uh, so right, right, right. because we base everything on, uh, you know, low-level HTML, CSS, just standard um, web tools. You can definitely do a ton of prototyping, um, uh, kind of design things the way you want, even if you don't want to um, uh, complete that entire lifecycle in Webflow. You're free to take the the, the markup and and the style sheet and any sort of... uh, We we do have a little animation engine that has to come along for the ride um, to do that animation because animation is expressed as a... um, kind of like a set of keyframes almost. Um, and you, you yep. have to involve JavaScript at that point in some cases. Uh, so you, you can certainly, um, a lot of people do that where they, they use Webflow for um, kind of getting a, a prototype much closer to production and then they might integrate it with like an Angular app or uh, we had IDEO mm-hmm. actually create their entire, they have this uh, thing called IDEOU, uh, IDEO University, and they created this entire design thinking class completely in Webflow and added some custom attributes that eventually um, mapped to like an Angular application that would like hook into those parts of the UI. And the entire front end of the, what, what people see uh, was completely declared in Webflow. And then they sort of created some hooks to um, tie that into uh, some more complicated code. So there's a lot wow. of flexibility okay. to use it partially. There's uh, certainly, yeah. we build it in a way that where it can be that one-time uh, sorry, all in one design, development, deliver, work with clients, edit content, manage your CMS, even bill your clients um, all in one place. Like if you sort of want to run a small little web design agency in a box, we have that as well. Um, so you kind of pick and choose uh, which parts of the platform you want to wow, use. Wow, this is crazy. I, I Like I said, I, I, I want to be a web designer. <laughs> that's, that's the dream. <laughs> that's what's... <laughs> It, what's that? Yeah, that's what's cool about this is that it is a, it's an exciting time and at the same time an overwhelming time for anyone that's um, that that's been building websites for you know the last few years or ten years or whatever. I feel like things like Webflow and, and are actually instead of complaining about that, you're, you're actually building something that that's that's moving the the flags forward. So kudos, kudos to Webflow. Seriously, thank you, thank you, Dan. Oh, and kudos to you! Like that, it was a huge inspiration to. Uh, actually, my my brother Sergi, my co-founder, um, was a pure pure visual designer, um, and he was he was in, in like the early days of Dribble. Um, and the entire idea behind Webflow was like, how do we get Sergi, who has this this creative drive and 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 all this potential, to take advantage of of this medium? And it kind of came out of our own frustration of. Like, why do I have to, um, why does Sergi have to go through me in order to get his vision out there? 
uh, for the web. And, and that just like that keeps driving us to to make sure that other people that might be in his shoes um, that are mm-hmm. a lot more creative than they are, uh, you know, willing to open up a text editor and spend the next three months learning the ins and outs of um, even yeah. something like responsive design. Um, let's have people focus on, on, on much more fun and creative and important tasks. Oh man, I love it. I love it. You, you're, you're, you have all the right, uh, priorities as far as I'm concerned on this. So, uh, thanks so much for, for, uh, your time today and being on the show, but really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. We'll be watching Webflow for sure. Uh, and see what's next. And, and, uh, yeah. Thanks again. Awesome.